This week I'm going to kind of finish up what I was talking about last week. Uh, I believe that we're called to live a supernatural lifestyle. I believe as believers that's what Jesus has equipped us to do. And when, when I talk about supernatural, I'm talking about the natural and the normal manner in which a Christian is to live. It's, supernatural is to be normative for us. Okay? It's not to be something that happens here and there every once in a while. It's to be our lifestyle. Read the book of Acts. Okay? Just read the book of Acts. Well, Nelson, that stuff doesn't help me anymore. Yes, it does. If you believe that lie, wash your mouth out. Wash your head out. It, it, there's no place in the New Testament that says that stuff would stop. Okay? The first century church, the, the culture that they lived in, folks, is no different than the culture we live in. None. None. And when I talk about supernatural, I'm not talking about circus sideshow stuff either. I'm just talking about living the Christian life. Apart from the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, none of us can be, we can't live out Christianity. It's impossible. So we, we, it should be a normal and natural part of, of what we do. Last week I shared with you what I believe is the key to doing it, and that's faith. Faith is, 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 is the ability. It's, the, it's, it's, the, it's a lot of different things. I just define it like this. This is the easiest definition for me. Faith is believing who God, that God is who He says He is, that He can do what He says He can do, and then acting on that, pursuing His promises. When we believe the promises of God, we go after them. And when we don't, we don't. Okay? We can say all this stuff, unless we're willing to pursue God's promises, we really don't believe that God is who He says He is, and that He can do what He says He can do. And so faith is really the key. It's just the, it's the willingness to actively explore and experience the fullness of God's promises. Faith is the realm God has choos, chosen to move in. It's the atmosphere. It creates an atmosphere where the supernatural becomes natural. And apart from that, apart from faith, we can't please God. We can't. Folks, that atmosphere where the supernatural becomes natural is where continual transformation takes place. It's where we move from glory to glory. The sad thing is what most of us call normal Christianity, God calls abnormal. He calls it aberrant. Okay, He calls it malformed. What we've grown up with and believed is normal is not normal. It, it's not what they lived in the New Testament. Okay? And again, I would say, nothing has changed except the length of time since the resurrection. Okay? Instead of it being a few weeks, a few months, a few years, it's been 2,000 years. But the world hasn't changed. And so to sum up in a, a few words... It's pursuing God at all costs. That, that, if I could boil it down, it's pursuing God at all costs. And I'm not talking about salvation here. I want you to understand. I want you to listen to me. Salvation is a gift God gives. Okay? It's free. He offers it. He paid for it 
through His Son, Jesus Christ. But folks, what I'm talking about is a faith that's required, that re, that's required to live a supernatural life, is, a, is a, a faith that is about pursuing a relationship. And folks, relationship costs. You can't have a relationship without some sacrifice. It just doesn't happen. And so this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about the cost. Okay, last week I pumped you up, sent you out on the field, and maybe you got hit right in the teeth. And you thought, hey, this isn't nearly as fun as I thought it was going to be. This is a little bit tougher than I thought it was going to be. And here's the bottom line. All of us want to know what the cost is. I would that way about everything. When you go to the when you go shopping, what do you look for? The least expensive price for the stuff you want. Now, there's a difference between buying cheap stuff and buying good stuff at a cheaper price. Okay? We we all want to know how much does it cost? How much I, there's nothing worse than going to a store and picking up something that has no price tag on it. Okay? I could name a store right now that's notorious for that. I could name several stores. But we all want to know, how much is it going to cost me? How much am I going to have to, to, to invest to get a return? What am I going to get for it? You know, what's the price of success? What's the price of, of my dream? How much is my dream worth? How much is, am I willing, you know, am I willing to pay the price for my dreams? Am I willing to pay the price for the job I have? For my children? For my spouse? And folks, you can even ask that question with your relationship to God. Is this really worth what I'm going to have to pay for it? And I think every once in a while that's a good question to ask. Okay, you say, well, Nelson, that's, that sounds a little bit uh, irreverent. No, that's just realistic. Jesus said, count the cost. Before you strike out, look at it real close. And are you really willing to pay the price. He talked about a tower uh, in Luke chapter uh, 14. He talked about a tower. He said, how many, of, how many would build a tower without calculating the cost of it and then get halfway into it and not be able to finish it? Or what king would go out with his army to meet another king and halfway there realize that he's outnumbered four to one? We need to count the cost. And, and so this morning, I, I want us to, to just count the cost. What, what is it going to cost us to walk supernaturally. What's it going to cost us? Jesus warned those that followed him, those that wanted to follow him, to count the cost very carefully. I mentioned salvation is free, but folks, relationship, that life of faith is costly. Now, I doubt seriously that, there, if, that there's a person in this room this morning who would not like to pray and see people healed. I doubt there's a person in this room that, that would not like to speak in Jesus' name and see demonic spirits flee. I, I, I guarantee you, if we're honest, most of us would do that. We, we would love to lay hands on the sick and pray and see them healed. We'd love to see the enemy flee. We would love to do the works that Jesus did and the, the even greater ones that he promised that we could do. But here's the question. Are we really willing to pay 
the price. Because there's a price to pay. There's a price to pay. There's a story in Luke chapter 9. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses. But Jesus is, is, is making his way through Galilee. And, and this one and that one comes to him. And, hey, Lord, we want to follow you. But let me do this and let me do that. Well, there's a young man that comes. And if you read in another one of the Gospels, we find out that he was a scribe. That is, he was a, he was a lawyer. And his job was to, to copy the scriptures. And, and he was a very meticulous young man, a very bright young man, because you couldn't do that otherwise. But he had seen Jesus. He'd heard Jesus. And as Jesus is walking along the road, this young man comes to him. And this is what he says. I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus, you know, I can just imagine, Jesus just turned to him and looked at him. I don't think he really said anything for a minute or two. And this is what Jesus said. The foxes have holes, the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, I've heard all kinds of, uh, of exegesis on that passage, and, and one of the things that Jesus was teaching is that, you know what, I don't have a place to call my own. And if you're going to follow me, you're probably not either. But Jesus is saying a lot more there. Jesus is telling this scribe, this young man, to count the cost. Are you willing to pay the price that it's going to take to follow me? He, he says the foxes and, and the birds, they all have familiar territory that they live in. They, they know how to find food in that territory. They, need, they know how to find shelter in that territory. They hunt and they forage in it. They're familiar with it. They know it like the back of their hand. But Jesus was saying to this young man, I'm on a mission. And where I'm going, no one's ever been. And if you want to walk with me, you're going to have to leave the familiarity that you have with this place. You're going to have to follow me. And you're, not going, to have to, you're going to have to get to that place where you're not worried about what's next, what's unknown. He said, I'm headed into a place that no human being's ever been. Are you really willing to place your faith in me? Are you really willing to, to walk into something you don't understand, that you can't explain, that you can't see? Do you understand what it will cost you? See, Jesus was asking him that. He was, he was talking about far, far more than his house and where he slept at. He was talking about his life. There's another story, and all of us are familiar with this. We call him the rich young ruler. See, Jesus was offering that scribe an opportunity to live a supernatural life. The rich young ruler comes to Jesus. Man, he hears Jesus teach. He gets all excited. And, and basically he says, Lord, what can I do? To get eternal life. I mean, that's his question. But what he was really asking, Lord, how can I live a supernatural lifestyle like you're talking about? How can I live out what you're talking about? And in his mind, it was something that he could do. He was convinced that if I do certain things, this will happen. Remember what Jesus said? Mark chapter 10, verse 19. This is what he says. 
one thing you lack. <laughs> Man, I would love to hear Jesus say, Nelson, there's just one thing you lack. He says, one thing you lack. Go and sell all that you possess and give it to the poor. He was a rich young man. But there's more to it there than just his money. What God is, I mean, what Jesus is saying to this young man is, exercise your faith in me. Put your faith in me. Do what I say. So Jesus is testing him. You want to walk in faith? Okay, let's step out in it. Give away all that you've got. Sell all that you've got. And give what you get to the poor. And then he says this, And you shall have treasure in heaven. And then Jesus says, Come, follow me. Jesus told the young man to exercise his faith, to obey him, and then he could walk with him. And the reason is because... Where Jesus was going, this young man was not going to be able to go by natural means. His money would do him absolutely no good. You see, he, this young man wanted to use natural means to accomplish supernatural results. And folks, that's just not possible. It's, it may not be money. It may be intelligence. It may be position. None of those things. Those are natural Things None of those things can accomplish supernatural results. Jesus was offering that young man really a supernatural lifestyle, but he wasn't willing to pay the price. Folks, listen to me. The cost of living the kind of life I'm talking about, a supernatural lifestyle, has not changed since that day. It's still the same. The cost is extremely high. Every person who has chosen to walk with God has paid the price. Every one of them. Now, if we go back in Scripture, the first man that we see was willing to pay that price, his name was Enoch. Y'all heard of Enoch? You'll miss Enoch if you're not careful. Okay? Because he, he's first mentioned in one of those, and so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat. Do y'all ever skip those? I do, from time to time. Okay? But can I just tell you something? I have found some treasures in those genealogies. And so now I make myself read them because I believe there's still something there I can get. But Enoch was a man who was born a few generations after Adam. And Genesis 5.24 tells us that Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. What in the world? I mean, it's, it's so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so, so-and-so lived 920 years, 840 years, had this son, that son. All of a sudden you get to Enoch, and it's Enoch was walked with God, and he was not because God took him. Hebrews 11, which is, is the, the chapter in the Scripture about faith, uses Enoch in in chapter 5, excuse me, chapter 11, verses 5 and 6, this is what it says. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken up. Well, now we know where he went, okay? He went up. Enoch was taken up so that he did not, or excuse me, 
Enoch was taken up so that he could not see death. And he was not found because God took him up. In other words, he was translated. He, dis- he was gone. He was here one minute and he was gone the next. Why? Because he was walking with God. It says this, he says, For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. Did you hear that? Now this, is, this, this passage here of Enoch is used to illustrate the next passage, which we often lift out of Scripture and quote it. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He's a rewarder of those who seek Him. Enoch believed that God is. And so he determined he would walk with God. He was determined that no matter what it cost him, he would walk with it. He was willing to he was willing to risk everything. He was willing to explore places that he had never been. Folks, I would imagine he and God walked in some unusual places. I've heard I heard a pastor say one time that finally God said, Ain't it we're closer to my house than yours? Why don't you just come home with me? Now I don't know if God said that or not, but that's what God did. Enoch was, and then God took him. Enoch never died. There's only one other person in Scripture, Elijah. God sent a chariot of fire after Elijah. But Enoch was willing to risk everything. He was willing to pay the price. And throughout history, there have been a few men and a few women who were willing to pay the price. Now, we've lifted them up on a pedestal, okay? But folks, they're people just like us. People that have warts and blemishes and who've made terrible mistakes and who have sinned greatly in their life. I want you to listen to this list. Scripture talks about, in Hebrews 11, it talks about Noah. Noah got drunk after the flood, stripped off all his clothes to take a nap. Okay? Abraham. Abraham lied about his wife two times and said, She's my sister, so they wouldn't kill him. Sarah. Joseph, Isaac, Moses. Moses killed a man, murdered him. Rahab, prostitute. Gideon, no faith, questioned everything. Barak, Samson. Folks, Samson, I just don't understand, okay? I just don't understand. I've studied Samson. And I don't mean to cast stones, but he's a pig, okay? If you just read the story of Samson, Samson is a man whose passions just run wild. Whatever he wants, he wants, and he wants it right then. And yet we find him in the chapter of faith. David. David committed adultery, committed murder. Jephthah. Jephthah sacrificed his daughter. Because of a vow he made. And then we have the prophets and we have Samuel. And there are others in Scripture that are unnamed and are unknown on this earth, but folks, they're honored in heaven because of their faith. Just think about the men that followed Jesus, the apostles. They walked out their faith, they lived a supernatural lifestyle. They were explorers. Talked about that last week. 
instead of settlers. They were not willing to settle. They wanted to push the bounds of their faith, and it cost them everything. If you study, if you study history, every one of them, except for John, died a horrific death as a martyr. Some of them were, their heads were cut off. Some of them were crucified. Some of them were boiled in oil. Some of them were skinned alive. And I could go on and on. Every one of them died a horrific death. They didn't just die. They died a horrific death. And John spent most of his latter days on a prison island called Patmos. You know what he was doing? Busting rocks. In his 80s, in his 90s. But yet they were willing to go after God. And folks, there are thousands of others that we don't have a record of, that we don't know their names, that were crucified. The Romans crucified Christians at the drop of a hat. They didn't care. Thousands of them were crucified. Others were tortured. And still others were fed to the lions and the wild beasts in coliseums all over the Roman Empire. Or they were killed by gladiators for sport. Folks, they paid a high price for their faith. But it didn't just stop the first two or three centuries. There are others. See, the thing about being a Christian is we don't know our history. So we have no appreciation for the shoulders that we stand on. There was a man named Polycarp. Polycarp was a descendant of John the Apostle. Polycarp was, was, was almost 90 years old, and he would not deny his faith, and they brought him to the, to the, to the Colosseum floor. Polycarp denied, I will not, I cannot deny the Lord I've walked with for 80 and 9 years. And you know what they did with Polycarp? They burned him at the stake. Savonarola. He was a priest in, in uh, Florence. A hundred years before the Reformation. He refused. He saw the wickedness of, of what we call Mardi Gras. They called it carnival. He saw the wickedness of it. And he began to preach against it. And he began to preach against the leader of the church in that day. He stood for God. And you know what they did? They burned him at the stake. I have stood on the spot in Florence where he was burned at the stake. John Wycliffe. John Wycliffe is called the morning star of the Reformation. A hundred years before Martin Luther did anything, Wycliffe was translating the Latin Vulgate, which was the only Bible that the church had. He was translating it into English, and they hounded him until he died. And after he died, they dug his bones up and they burned him at the stake. (laughs) William Tyndall. Tyndall translated the Bible from from Hebrew and, 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 and Greek into the English language. His desire was that every plowboy in England have a copy of the Scriptures. You know what happened to Tyndall? They burned him at the stake. Hugh Latimer, Nicholas Ridley were were godly men, godly preachers in England. They burned them together at the stake. John Huss. I had the opportunity to stand in John Huss's pulpit. John Huss 
preached the Word of God to what we would call the Czechoslovakian people in Prague. And he began to stand for, for Scripture and Scripture alone. And he stood against the, the leaders of the church. He stood against his own king. And he lasted a little while, but you know what eventually happened? They burned him at the stake. You say, Nelson, they burned a lot of people at the stake. You better believe it. They burned people that we've heard of and most of the people we haven't heard of. George Weisenhart was a prophet in Scotland. And he preached the word of God to, to uh, Mary, the Queen of Scots. We call her Bloody Mary. You know what Mary did? She didn't like the message. She burned him at the stake. John Wesley, come a few years. Any of you know who John Wesley is? John Wesley, every town he preached in, they threw rocks at him. They ran him out of town. One of his friends, George Whitfield, was forced to preach outside because none of the established churches would let him use their pulpits. How many of you have ever heard of Azusa Street? There was a revival that took place at Azusa Street. William Seymour was a black pastor who began to preach. It was 1905, 1906, 1907. At that time, whites and blacks did not mix. He began to preach and God began to gather people, white, black, men, women, and they began to go after God. Azusa Street is, is, is the birthplace of what we would call Pentecostalism. Folks, the neighbors threw rocks at them. They called the police. They were abused. They were made fun of. They were written up in the paper. Any of you ever heard of Jim Elliott? Jim Elliott was a missionary in Ecuador. He and four other men decided they would walk out their faith. And you know what it cost them? They were speared to death by the very people they were taking the gospel to. But today... That gospel has completely enveloped those people. And the very man that speared Jim Elliot became a believer. Folks, their faith cost them. It cost them their life. They all paid a high price. Now let's just get let's just get specific for a minute in our culture. They're not crucifying us yet. Okay? They're not burning us at the stake yet. And so we still have an opportunity to live it out without a great deal of persecution. Well, my boss gives me a hard time. Folks, that's not persecution compared to being burned at the stake. Well, my neighbors, you know, they, they call me names. Well, that's not really persecution. Okay? But there is a cost, and, and I think all of us need to count the cost. We need to look at it, and if we're going to walk out our, our faith, and we're going to push the boundaries of the promises of God, we're going to go after them, we do need to count the cost. And so I'm going to just share three or four things very quickly with you. You're the one that's going to have to count it. You're going to have to see if it's, if it's worth it. The first thing that it's going to cost us is time. Okay? And I want, I want to say this in love, but I want to say it loud and clear. If the only time you pursue the promises of God are between the hours of 10 and 12 on Sunday, you're not pursuing the promises of God. 
Okay? Bottom line, if that's it, then you're not pursuing God's promises. You're not an explorer by any means. You're not even a settler. Okay? It's going to cost us time. To live a supernatural lifestyle, to explore God's promises, takes some time. Well, I don't have a lot of time. Well, what you spend your time on, what we spend our time on, is what matters to us. That's just the bottom line. I realize everyone in this room probably has to work for the most part. Okay? They had to work in Jesus' day. Manna didn't just fall from the sky to the apostles' mouths. Okay? They had to work. They had to, they had to, 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 to spend time with their family. But, but what you spend your time thinking about and what you spend your time going after, what you spend your time daydreaming about is what's important to you. Now let me ask you a question. Is that one of God's promises? Is that something that, that God has said He would do or is it just something? See, what we dream about and what we study about in our spare moments is what we'll make time for. We make time for what we're passionate about. And what we're not passionate about, we don't make time for. Folks, it's going to cost us some time. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? It's also going to cost us our reputation. I'm just going to tell you up front, you begin to pursue faith, and you begin to walk out faith, and you begin to believe that God said it, it's true, and I'm going to make sure I see it come to fruition. People will call you nuts. Okay, they will, they will say, you're crazy. They'll make fun of you. Or they will do what is very common and, and, and popular in our culture. They will demonize you. They will demonize you and say, you know what? I don't believe that. I'm not willing to pay that price. Or you know what? Your actions will so convict them of sin that they'll just say, you know what? He's an idiot. He's nuts. That's what we do in politics. If we don't like what somebody says, we make them, we demonize them. That's what they do in, in the media. If they don't like a certain star that's rising, guess what? They find a little garbage and they demonize that person. And that happens in our culture, folks. Listen to me. Rest assured, if you decide to pursue a supernatural lifestyle of faith, if you choose to explore the heights and the depths of God's promises, if you choose to push that lifestyle, people will ridicule you. And you know who most of the people who ridicule you will be? They will be people of faith, people who make up the churches. Say, well, no, Nelson, that's not true. Yes, that's true. You know who crucified Jesus? The Orthodox. You know who burned all those people I mentioned at the stake except Polycarp? The Orthodox. The guardians of the Orthodox faith of their day. Folks, they were burned by the church. You'll be called a religious fanatic. A Bible thumper. Okay? A Baptocostal. A Holy Roller. 
charismatic, pew jumper. You'll be labeled ignorant, stupid, uneducated. Only uneducated people believe that stuff. You're a fool if you believe that stuff. You'll be called a false prophet. And you'll be called demon-possessed. And I don't mean that in the sense that they will, you know, that you're nuts. They will mean literally, you've got a demon. Or they'll call you a heretic, okay? They'll just say, hey, he's a heretic. Don't believe anything she says or he says. Your reputation in the community will suffer. Listen, you won't be asked to teach or preach in the prestigious churches, okay? It just won't happen. And if you happen to be in a prestigious church, you'll probably be asked to leave. And there's probably some people in this church, in this church, that have been asked to leave prestigious churches, okay? It just happens when you begin to go after God. You won't be invited to the prominent parties, okay? You won't be asked to be on boards and committees. When you walk by friends and associates that are close to you, you'll see them do this. You'll probably get your name on the blacklist. Okay? You'll be ignored. You'll be overlooked. You'll be passed over for certain jobs. And you are likely to find things written about you if you check these places on Twitter and on Facebook and on AL.com. You'll show up there. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all read it. If that's a big deal to you, you know what? It's going to cost too much. It will cost you your reputation. It will cost you time. But it will also cost you relationships, folks. You will be misunderstood. Okay? Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they are not persecuting us, we are probably not as close to Jesus as we think we are. That's just scripture there. Y'all can take that up with him. People will think you have gone off the deep end. You're not going to be able to make many of them understand, okay? Whether they're friends or whether they're family members. You know, listen, walking in faith is such a rare commodity that the church no longer knows what it looks like. And so when they see it, they think it's strange. Or they think it's bizarre. Or they think it's crazy or foolish. And here's the thing about people. This is just reality. They fear what they don't understand. And when you walk in faith, it brings fear on people who are not walking in faith, but who know they should be. Okay? They're going to label you a nutcase. It's going to be a lonely journey. Okay, if you have to have a crowd around you all the time, you probably do not want to walk in faith because it'll clear a room out. Okay, it's a lonely journey. You know how many went with Jesus all the way to the cross? Zero. Went by himself. You say, well, they were disciples. Yeah, but you know what happened on the night he was arrested? Like birds. They fluttered away. 
Nobody went through it with him. He went through it with God. And folks, it will cost you to walk in faith. Ultimately, like every other explorer has taken this walk of faith. And a lot of people would call this walking on the wild side. It's wilder than being dead, okay? A lot better. But it's going to cost you control of your own life. Okay, now this is the cost you really need to consider. It's going to cost you control of your own life. You will have to surrender all that you are over to God bit by bit, step by step. Or what will happen is you'll wake up one day and you will realize you missed the boat. There are a lot of people who have taken that step to heaven and realized they missed the trip. They had a ticket. They're in eternity with God. But they missed the joy of walking with Jesus throughout their lifetime because they were fearful or uncertain or unbelieving or afraid of what this one or that one would say. You'll wake up one day and realize you were a settler instead of an explorer. You settled for less. Listen to me. If you walk with God, you're going to be confronted with golden opportunities to settle. Settle for less. Not, not bad things, okay? We, we think about uh, temptations as temptations of bad things, but very often the temptations that work are good things. You're going to, settle for, you're, you're going to be willing to settle for less. They're good things. They're just not what God has promised. You're going to find temptations blinking like billboards everywhere you go that want you to exit. Take this exit for this. Take this exit for that. But if you persevere, if you put blinders on, you say, God, I'm walking with you and you alone. Who you are at this very moment will be consumed as you are conformed to the image of God. You will change and your life will no longer be your life it will be his life listen to me the supernatural lifestyle the walk of faith I'm talking about folks will cost everything that's just the bottom line I don't know another way to say it, it will cost you everything you may not be hung on a cross you may not be tied to a stake and burnt to a crisp but it will cost you. It will cost you everything that you are. But in return, you will step into the promises of God one by one. It will be like stepping stones, like climbing steps. You step into this one, guess what? There's another one that unfolds before you. And God says, do you believe me for this? Yes, God, I believe you for this. I, I, I probably don't need to do this. I didn't ask permission. But you remember last Sunday we prayed for Miss Diane? Miss Diane, God has just opened a door for Miss Diane. She stepped out in faith. One of her bucket lists was to live on the beach. Okay, I got a picture from some of our folks who, who took her up there. Folks, you can look off her balcony at the water. 
There's not 10 feet of beach there. She's as close to the beach as you can get. Why? Because she was willing to step out in faith and follow God. She left everything. Everything. Folks, God will become more than a concept if you do this. More than something we discuss or ponder in our head. Folks, He will become your friend. He will become your provider. He will become your intimate and constant companion. He will become the lover of your soul. His promises will become the reality of your provision and your protection. He will just consume you. And His life will become your life, and your life will become His. But to do this, you have to decide, is it worth the cost? Is it worth my reputation? Is it worth my time? Is it worth relationships? Is it worth my life? Am I willing to trade my life for this? You have to count. I can't count it for you. But I'm going to tell you something. This is where we are going in 2014 as a church. Okay? And you either got to be in or you got to be out. You can't be one foot in the water, one foot on safe place. One foot in the water, one foot on safe place. Because you're not in and you're not out. You're wavering. Remember last week, wavering is having a split mind. And God does not, he does, wavering does not please him. So we either got to get in or we got to get out. You say, well, Nelson, that's not probably the message you need to be preaching to a fledgling church that just got planted. Well, folks, this is why we planted this church. If you don't want to walk in faith, there are plenty of churches that will welcome you. Okay? I probably don't need to walk out on this limb, but I'm going there. Okay? Okay? That's the reality. You say, but yeah, but you give and you get. Listen, God is the one that gives us what we need. And if you can't walk in this place, He will bring somebody else who can. I love you, but I want you to be happy. I don't want you to be miserable. And if you can't walk in faith, you're going to be miserable in this church. Okay? Because where we are right now is an act of faith. And where we're going to be next Sunday is an even bigger act of faith. What we have, faith's given us. Okay? And it's scary, and it makes your guts not up sometimes late at night, but it's better than anything else I have ever walked in. Okay? And there's more. God says, this is just the front door, Nelson. If you just trust me, if, if Eagles Wing will just trust me, I will walk them into places they've only dreamed about, that they've heard about, that they've read about, but they've never been to. Folks, faith demands commitment. And Jesus is calling us today. And, and His words are very plain. It's the same words He said to the rich young ruler. It's the same words he spoke to Peter after Peter had denied him three times. It's the same words he spoke to John on the beach when he called him from the ship. He said, follow me. Now, when he says that, it's a command. And if you'll notice, he says, follow me. He gives them no roadmap of where they're going, 
He doesn't tell them the hotels they'll be staying in, what rest area they're going to get off and eat at. He gives them no information about restaurants or anything like that. He just says, follow me. Now, folks, if we're going to walk in faith, that's what it's going to take. We're going to have to follow Jesus. When he takes a step, we take a step. When he stops, we stop. When the cloud settles over the camp, you know what? We party till the cloud lifts off and moves, okay? And when the, when the cloud moves, we move. Folks, the cloud has moved over much of the church today. It's moved. It's not that, there's, that those people are wicked or evil. It's just that they stopped looking at the cloud and started looking at the settlement that they built. And God did not call us to be settlers. He called us to be explorers, to walk with Him. So here's the question. What about you? Are you willing to pay the price? Because God will give you as much as you want. He will give you your dime's worth or your dollar's worth, okay? He'll give you what a little can get or He'll give you what all can get, okay? you're willing to settle for a little, that's what you'll get. If you're willing to, 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 to go after more, guess what? He says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Folks, count the cost. Because there is a cost. It's not going to be church as usual. Okay? Maybe some things I don't expect. Never seen. Can I just say this? It probably will be. God will call us into places that, that seems like will crush us and destroy us. But as we step in them, you know what? They'll widen out. And God will be there. God said this, I will never leave you nor destroy you. I mean, forsake you. And I'm holding on to the fact he's not going to destroy me either. Okay. When God called me to plant this church, when He called us to plant this church, it scared me to death. And I began to pray, Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And it just got quiet. See, I've been hearing from God on a regular basis. All of a sudden it got quiet. Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And God asked me a question. I remember it. And I've heard it twice since then. Do you trust me? Yes, Lord, I trust you. Nothing. You know what that said to me? Then walk. And keep walking until I tell you to stop. I haven't heard him say stop yet. Okay? Got in a tight place a little later. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Nelson, do you trust me? Well, yes, God, I trust you. Walk. Folks, I hadn't heard him say stop yet. He won't. That's right. But will we stop? Are we willing to push? See, sometimes God doesn't shut doors. Sometimes they're just ajar. 
and we look at them and we think they're shut and we never try them. Here's what I've learned in walking in faith. Every door I come to, I lean against. If it's shut, it won't open. If it's ajar, it opens up. God is calling us to walk through doors that don't seem obvious. Folks, that's where faith takes you. If it were, I mean, if it were the interstate and everybody was going that way, it wouldn't be faith, would it? I know some of you have stepped out in faith this past year. You walked out on a limb. There ain't no going back. There's no bridge back. You need to count the cost of that. Because that's where God's calling us to walk as a church. Count the cost. Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.